Welcome to the Night Nerd Podcast. I'm your host, Lance, and this is going to be part two of our interview with Amanda. Yesterday's show was a lot of fun. We got to look at a whole lot of really cool things, but now we're going to settle the debate, or at least what we think of the debate of Disneyland versus Disney World. Uh, a few more questions about the ins and outs of the park, some cool things about it, and it's just a whole lot of fun. I, I want to thank Amanda so much for taking the time to join us, sit down and talk with me and just drop knowledge that I had never, never thought I would know. So here's part two. So I'm going to do a couple of quick rapid fire questions before we get to that end all be all. Um, who's your favorite Disney character? Oh, that one's hard for me. Um, it's, uh, so I have to, I just have to go with Mickey because he's the original he was Walt's, you know, child, basically. And as Walt famously said, we have to remember that this was all started by a mouse. So if we're talking just canon characters, original characters, not Star Wars, not Marvel, you know. Yeah. Um, although Steamboat Willie, Steamboat Mickey is kind of my my jam. You can see him in the background of yeah, my I, right yeah, here. <laughs> That's why I was like, I bet I know the answer. but Yeah. Because so I don't, and I'm probably wrong. Uh, but like Disney or but Marvel, Star Wars, they're not Disney characters. They're Disney properties in my mind. Right. They're not Disney characters. When I think Disney characters, it's uh, even like Claire the Cow and like some of the lesser known ones. Because uh, yeah. the old cartoons, those were my jams. The Silly Symphonies yes. and On Warner Brothers, The Merry Melodies. Like those, I love those. In fact, that a good chunk of those are on Disney Plus. Yeah. Uh, it's not organized it. as well as I would like it to be, but they're yeah. there. You have to dig for them, but they're there. I think it's really cool. How do you feel about Oswald the Rabbit? So Oswald actually was reintroduced to the parks for the first time since the parks were built because he was stolen long before the parks were built. He was reintroduced to the parks the day, the first day of our last trip to Disneyland. And so we got to meet him and take pictures with him and stuff. Um, I like the story of Oswald. Uh, I think it's, and if people don't know it, Google it because it's a long story and I don't want to take up a ton of time on it. But Walt, Oswald was essentially stolen from Walt by Ub Iwerks. And um, uh, incidentally, his granddaughter, yeah, granddaughter, Kim Iwerks, is who produced, wrote, produced, and directed the Imagineering story on Disney+, Plus, which I love. Most people don't realize that's who she is and the family legacy that she has with Disney anyway. I love Oswald. I'm so glad that they have him back and that he's now once again, a Disney property that can be in the parks and on merch and stuff. I love the way they got him back. Like it was, a, they just traded Al Michaels like, Hey, here's a yeah. real person that yeah. <laughs> you can have here. NBC, you can have this guy who let's be honest is mortal. You know, he, you're only going right. to have him for so long for and so we're going to get this guy that we're going to be able to put on merch and we're going to be able to sell video games and, rides and i feel like nbc kind of got the the bad end of the yeah, hey, sure. worked out for everybody else which is which is really cool yeah. um favorite disney movie animated disney movie okay animated all right <laughs> i hate when people do that because i'm like okay are we counting star wars and marvel and you know yeah no, we're so not, like, not disney properties like okay, we, good. yeah classic disney classics so it's still an incredibly difficult question and one that I will not give a singular answer to. <laughs> but, there are um, a few wrong answers though, but most of them are direct to video answers. Yeah, we don't talk about those. <laughs> uh, so The Rescuers, not The Rescuers Down Under, is my favorite Disney animated classic. I feel like it 
does not have the love that it deserves. Um, it's a great, great movie, a little dark. I love it. Zsa Zsa Gabor. I mean, it's great. So I love The Rescuers. And I'm also a child of the 90s, so Disney Renaissance. I mean, Little Mermaid, Aladdin. Cole and I watch Aladdin at least once a month. So like, <laughs> I still love, 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 love those, the Renaissance era 90s classics. Oh, I, I think part of the thing about Rescuers is because Rescuers on it, which, you know, that was the first real kind of sequel they did. Yeah, and, and it's good. But the, I think the floodgates, I think it's kind of tainted the reputation and not again like it's not a bad movie but what it introduced to the disney verse you know oh now we have eight lion king i mean right. lion king one and a half is okay uh Kronk's new groove i love we just watched it again the other day but i that's because i i love the rescuers i love the rescuers down under but i do think that legacy yeah is, is kind of tarnished there um i feel like hercules doesn't get the love it should you know it was at the tail end of the renaissance but i think people kind of lump it it and mulan like no that in my mind that's still part of those yeah people tend to move it films. over towards the like home, home on the range. range just like most people don't even know that exists and that's fine uh but yeah most people do kind of tend to push mulan and hercules over into that area which if you aren't listening to the soundtrack of Hercules, you are missing out because that's a banger. Like, yeah. oh, so good. So yeah, I love Hercules. I love Mulan as well. Um, those are great ones that do tend to get overlooked in that Renaissance category. So live action Disney. And again, we're not counting Disney properties, so not Star Wars, not Marvel, but live action Disney. So that would be a toss up for me between Mary Poppins and Saving Mr. Banks. I didn't see, I missed out. I didn't see Saving Mr. Banks when it was released, but I bought it because I was like, how did I not see this movie? I mean, the the whole cast, I mean, like, even down to Jason Schwartzman, like I love oh, everybody yes. in this film. And I watched it and I was like, oh, wow. Yeah, I I missed out here. Um, it was- Yeah, I saw it in theaters and oh, I loved it so, so, so much. I mean, the Sherman Brothers, icons of disney um and their portrayal there uh with ryan from the office um you know that the whole thing is so good tom hanks did disney i mean like only tom hanks could and because my love of disney is actually a love of walt um i, I walt disney is an icon and is if people don't know his story, they should. He grew up with nothing. He, he snuck his way into the Red Cross to go to France in World War I when he was only 15. He's just incredible. And so that's where my love of Disney really comes from is the love of Walt and his story. So that portrayal of Walt, it dug a little into his relationship with his father, which was quite tumultuous and heartbreaking. And and getting to see how they remade Disneyland to look like it did back then, because we've had a complete Fantasyland had a complete remodel in the eighties. It looks nothing like it did back then. So what, getting to see how they made that work was very, very cool. Nice. I, um, yeah, it, it was really neat to see all the stuff and the side by side comparisons are insane. Yeah. So next two questions, uh, maybe kind of tough. For, they all have for been, <laughs> except for favorite ride. Um, favorite remake. 
So, you know, you have like, like the Shaggy Dog. Remakes? Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. you have like the Tim Allen Shaggy Dog movies. You have all the recent stuff. Just, oh, no, no across the board. Even going Hard oh. no. Hard no. <laughs> I won't watch them. I won't. Uh, Cole tells me that Jungle Book, the live action, is good. I don't care. I won't. I shan't. And I, I heard have. the Aladdin one's good. I haven't seen, I don't think I've seen any of them. I wanted to kind of see Dumbo because it was Tim Burton. But, right. Uh, so, other controversial topic, favorite um, sequel. You know, we talked about how most of them are men, but your favorite sequel, and not counting Pixar's because- uh, That's what I was gonna ask. Are we gonna take Pixar out? Okay. Yeah, because okay. so, I mean, <laughs> except Cars 3, they're all great. Um, yeah. And well, I have a soft spot for Monsters University. A lot of people don't like I love it, but... Monsters University. I think it's better than Monsters, Inc. Okay, and well, you're I wrong, but- uh... <laughs> I do. I just love it. I don't know. I don't Monsters, know. Inc. is my favorite Pixar movie. Hands I mean, down. it's great. And well, I then think... you need to go to Disneyland to ride the Monsters, Inc. ride because it is, is it incredible. Awesome? Yeah. It think... doesn't get a lot of love because it's just kind of a simple yeah. ride. But you get to go in the factory with all the doors swinging oh, past you and it's incredible. Yeah. I, I think if Monsters University came out first, it's kind of like and this is the second time I've talked about the Oceans series. Like Oceans 12 is a great movie. Right. But it's no Oceans 11, you right. know. And I, I think that's kind of with Monsters University. But yeah. So non-Pixar favorite sequel, if you have one. Do I have one? That's the question. Um, whew, this is probably the hardest question you've asked me because <laughs> I am pretty anti-sequel because I'm weird. Uh, I would say that the only one that I have given enough weight to, to even have an opinion on would be Rescuers Down Under. We mentioned Lion King one and a half. I think it's a decent sequel. Uh, I haven't seen Kronks, which is a travesty because I love uh, Emperor's New Groove and I love Patrick Warburton. It's the same story, but it's great. I mean, it's the same jokes, but animation quality is not quite there, but it's still... But Patrick Warburton's there, so I'm fine yeah. with it. <laughs> I love him. Um, so, yeah, I would say uh, Rescuers Down Under, Under, even though it came out, you know, years, decades later, um, I think that it's a sequel that they really, they put as much effort into the second as they put into the first. Well, it's the only theatrical, theatrical released sequel. Um, Outside everything Pixar, else was, yeah. yeah. Everything else was on VHS or Disney Channel and stuff. And you can, you can tell, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's there. Um, is there a blank spot in your fandom that you're, you're like, oh, actually, I've never seen the Computer War tennis shoot or, you know, something like that that you're like, I should know this. I should have seen this. I should have visited this, but I haven't. So there are, uh, in my Disney as a whole fandom, people really do expect me to be a Disney movie buff. Like every time Geeks Who Drink has a Disney trivia night, people want me to go and I'm like, hey, but I'm not really a Disney movie. I mean, I know all this stuff because it's a byproduct of being a fan, but like, that's not really my jam. And there are a lot of Disney movies I have not seen. Um, but as far as the parks go and <laughs> people who are Disney people are always horrified by this. I have never ridden, um, Tower of Terror, which now no longer exists in Disneyland. And I've never read an Indiana Jones, which is just like, it horrifies people. They can't comprehend it. Um, and I probably never will. I don't actually really like 
scary rides or anything that's like suspenseful and there's like a huge snake on them and I just don't in the eye of Mara and I don't know so <laughs> yeah so there are a couple of rides like that that are like they're not classic rides because they haven't been there forever but they're classic in the fandom that I've never ridden never want to ride and now Tower of Terror in Disneyland is Guardian's Great Escape which I've watched all the ride throughs it looks incredible but I don't want to drop from a height so I'm not a ride person anyway. I think that's yeah. another reason I haven't been to a lot of these parks. I mean, here in Texas, you know, we have Six Flags and Fiesta, Texas and stuff. I just, just give me like the shows and the food and the games and I'm not, right. yeah, I, I'm yeah, not. I'm not a roller coaster person. I'm not, I don't like drops. I'm terrified of animatronics and Disneyland is my favorite place on earth. So if that tells you anything. <laughs> <laughs> the love for walk will push you through yes. you strength. and just the man if you are a person who loves attention to detail and theming the first time I ever took my kids to, to Six Flags they had only ever been to Disney parks and we walked in and my daughter was like seven at the time and she looked around and she's like where's the theming and I'm like oh yeah no this isn't Disney I'm so sorry <laughs> it's here it's just uh... it's like here's a coaster yeah. <laughs> just, so yeah if you like that kind of thing man there's not a better place and then photography just there's so much to look at and see I mean I could just sit at Disneyland and never get on a ride for a full day and I would be the happiest person alive so it's that time <laughs> we, we've skirted around it we've hinted at it I mean we we know the answer so but I guess just the why but okay. which is better, Disneyland or Disney World? All right. So I, as I mentioned before we started recording, uh, when Cole and I met, we met on a dating app. I had a bit about how Disneyland was better than Disney World in my dating profile in West Texas, which made no sense. Um, and he asked me why I like one over the other. And I said, well, it's kind of long story. And he said, okay, well, let's save it then for our first date because I want to hear it in person. And... <laughs> and he did for about two hours. <laughs> so since then, I have condensed it down uh, to about a four-point situation. So uh, most people, when I start this, they're like, oh, the weather, right? Because Florida is oppressively hot and humid. And I'm like, I don't, that's not, doesn't even make the list. But sure, yeah. West Texas, that doesn't, I don't care. Yeah, I'm like, I don't, it's whatever. Uh, so, but I mean, if you want to talk about it, the weather in Southern California, vastly better than the weather in Orlando, Florida. So Disneyland and Disney World both employ what are called college program cast members. Those are kids who are in college and they come for a three to six month internship at the parks. And because they're only there for three to six months, they get like traditions, which is one of the pieces of training you get when you become a cast member. Most cast members, it's a week long thing and it, it teaches you Walt's principles of customer service and the history of the parks and all of that. Their traditions class is three hours long. Wow. So we're talking a pretty, pretty big difference. Both parks have these cast member employees. They are cast member, sorry, college member cast members. Um, they're very important to the running of the parks. However, at Disneyland, about 15% of our cast members total are college programs. So very small percentage, most of your cast member interactions are from career cast members. At Disney World, close to 70% of their cast members are college program. So that translates into a 
vast discrepancy in customer service. Um, when we were at Disney World, you know, I would ask a cast member, hey, where can I find whatever, Rapunzel? And they're like, I don't know. I work right here. I don't work anywhere else. Like, they don't, they don't know the parks, which is understandable. As a Disney World cast member, I can tell you I get questions every single day that I don't know the answer to because it is a massive property. But as cast members, it's kind of our job to know everything or to know how to find the answer to everything. That's the gig. And that level of customer service just isn't there at Disney World like it is at Disneyland. Additionally, as we've mentioned, Disneyland is one square mile, two parks. Disney World, size of San Francisco, four parks, two water parks. Within those four parks, Disney World has the exact same number of rides as Disneyland has in their one square mile. So what that means is they've taken this amount of rides and spread it out over this huge area of land, making it just incredibly inconvenient. Uh, to go from one park to another at Disney World takes two modes of transportation in like 30 to 45 minutes. It's, it's a big thing going from one park to another. Whereas going at Disneyland, I can walk from one end of DCA to the other end of Disneyland at a leisurely pace in 15 minutes. It's just all right there, very compact, much easier to traverse. So those are kind of just like the logistical things. Um, but then when it comes to the atmosphere of the two parks, as I mentioned, Disneyland is very much a locals park. You've got one, over a million pass holders who are local to Southern California who go to Disneyland all the time. So the atmosphere there is just very chill. Like there isn't a lot of, oh, we need to be at the front of this line. Oh, we need to be, have this spot at the parade or the fireworks because this is the only time we're ever gonna see it. It's just very chill. We were there, um, I was there for the kickoff of the 60th anniversary five years ago. They had the park open for a full 24 hours and the park hit max capacity. They opened the park at 5 a.m. It hit max capacity by like 11 a.m. And so we're talking about 140,000 people inside the park. And that is a very small area to have that many people. But it was like chill because everyone, they're just locals and they're, they're lovers of Disneyland. We stayed there for a full 24 hours with a four-year-old an eight-year-old and a 13-year-old and it was just like chill whereas at Disney World Disney World like I said is marketed as that once in a lifetime trip and it's very much an international tourist spot and the attitude there is very much this is our once in a lifetime trip and we need to have the front of the line and we need to be at the spot and we need to see this and it's kind of like survival of the fittest as far as the attitude around there and of course they have an local annual pass holders too. I have many friends who live there and go regularly, but the vast majority of the crowds there are their once in a lifetime Disney trip people. So just the overall feeling, the overall atmosphere at Disney, Disneyland just feels like a little bitty village and it is just peaceful and chill. And it's like everyone knows everyone and you feel safe and Disney World is pretty chaotic because it's so large. Um, and then my final point in my four points of why one is better than the other, and this is very personal to me and doesn't matter to most people, but uh, Walt never set foot in Disney World. Walt died in 1966, or sorry, 1969, and Disney World was built in 1971. He 
never set foot in there. He never saw it. He didn't oversee the building of it. The only thing that Walt oversaw was the buying of the land. And he bought the land where he did because when he built Disneyland, it was just an orange grove. And then all of a sudden Anaheim exploded around it because of tourists and he couldn't build out anymore. He was stuck in this one little space. And so he selected the land he did in Orlando so that he could have this sprawling property, but he didn't build that. He unfortunately died and his brother Roy O. Disney built it. And, and I think he did a fine job. It's whatever. But that spirit of Walt, Walt's touch on everything is just not there. And Walt was a visionary and he had this ability to conceptualize things that did not exist in our world and manifest them. And he had an ability to hire Imagineers who could bring those visions to life for him. And that kind of died a little at Disney World. Not to say that, I mean, Tony Baxter and Joe Rohde and all of the Imagineers that are around today are incredible. But Walt's touch is not on that park. And, and it's noticeable. And I have a lot of friends who grew up on the East Coast and only went to Disney World. And they were very, you know, Disney World is it. Disney World is it. And then they came to Disneyland for the first time. And so many of them went, oh, I get it now. This is Walt's park. And it just has a feeling that no other park in the world has. Uh, oh, that's awesome. That now I really need to go to Disneyland. Like, yeah, you I do. can't go even more. Like, I'm <laughs> one of the kids. Um, so, that your, your presentation there, have a couple of questions. Yeah. When you talk about it being a local, you know, you've mentioned the local spot, local spot. Does it ever become like a locals only? You know, you, you hear a lot of places when you travel like hey no locals only locals only you can't you're a tourist you don't need to be in here this is our bar this is our restaurant this is where we serve or whatever um does that have there ever been cases of that at disneyland that very much exists on social media with annual pass holders uh who are lovingly sometimes referred to as annual pass holes um they on social media, they can be very, meh, 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 you know, pretty bickery about it. But I would say that within the parks, there's just a difference when you're in there. And that desire to preserve that magic and to preserve the feeling of Disneyland overrides any kind of local snobbery that definitely does exist within the fandom, but I've never seen within the parks or even heard of people experiencing within the parks. Right. I just, you know, cause you always hear horror stories of oh, yeah. stuff. Um, what are the rules on booze at Disneyland? Ah, so that's a very interesting one. So at Disneyland proper, so we're not talking DCA, but just Disneyland proper, for years and years and years, there was zero alcohol in Disneyland. The only place you could get alcohol was in Club 33. I don't know if you know about Club 33, but it's the only place that served alcohol. Very exclusive. It's $25,000 to become a member, and it's a 14-year wait list to become a member of Club 33. So that's the only place in the parks that have ever sold alcohol until Batu was built, Galaxy's Edge. So Galaxy's Edge has Oga's Cantina and it serves alcohol. It's the only place in Disneyland where a regular non-Club 33 person can just go get a drink. There was a big controversy about that because people were like, Walt didn't want alcohol in the park. And you'll hear the fandom a lot. Walt didn't want it this way. Walt wouldn't have wanted this. Walt didn't want drinking in the park, but... Walt did want smoking spots in the park and those don't exist anymore. So it's like, you know, it's just, it's something that changed. Um, now at DCA, 
which is a, just across the Esplanade, tons of bars in DCA, tons. And they have all kinds of specialty drinks and they have a lot of local breweries um, serve their beer there that you can't get anywhere else. And lots of cool bars and stuff that go on in DCA. Disney World, same thing. Magic Kingdom never had alcohol until they built um, Beast Castle. And then you could get alcohol there and now you can get it uh, at Batu. But so within the park as a whole, you can't just walk around with a drink. You can't walk outside of Star Wars land with a, with a drink. But DCA, you can walk around anywhere with a beer or whatever. That's that's how I prioritize places. Like, can yeah, absolutely. Or not. <laughs> Is it true? I mean, there's a the whole podcast place? about drinking in Disney. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, my, my final question, for real's final question. A couple of years ago, the... Oh, I'm drawing a blank. The kid from American Pie who was in some Disney movies like the kid in King Arthur's Court and uh, stuff made that unofficial Disney biopic. Um, I forgot what it was like. The Mouse and Me or Mickey and Me. or I haven't seen it. Um, it's on Netflix, I believe. Have you seen it? And if so, what were your opinions on it? I haven't seen it, actually. I didn't realize it was on Netflix. I've heard about it, but I haven't actually seen it. Yeah. So something I should watch because I hadn't really looked into it. Satan, it. Last time I checked, but we all know how streaming rights work right. and, and everything. Because um, when it was released, there was a whole thing about, you know, it overall painted him in a positive light, but there were a few, you know, it's a movie. They got to have some kind of drama and things. Right. And so I was, I was just curious. It may, I don't know. I really... Wouldn't be surprised if Disney was like cease and desist. Can't right? have <laughs> but we've got a we've got a big legal team at Disney, so it wouldn't surprise me. Um, something when you asked me earlier about like my favorite conspiracy theories or things like that about the parks, I thought of something after the fact that again it doesn't really have to do with the parks, but it's like one of the weirdest Disney facts, which is that when Walt was on his deathbed, uh, dying of lung cancer the last thing that Walt wrote, not what he spoke, but the last thing he wrote on a little sticky note was Kurt Russell. Just wrote Kurt Russell's name, who was a kid at the time. And he had starred in like some of the live action, like Disney move, but, but no one ever knew why. And they still have that little piece of paper on a like recreation of Walt's desk, but it's that actual piece of paper. And there have been so many conspiracy theories about what, Walt could have meant by that uh and that one's I've always found fascinating because we'll never know yeah. uh but it's such a weird like yeah I've heard like they like some of them like oh you know Walt wanted him to be the legacy and him like to be the yeah. yeah and Kurt Kurt's like I I was in some movies hey, he was right. a nice guy I had fun da, da, da. like <laughs> and Kurt had done like a little kind of backstage like doc he was kind of the host of a little docuseries about backstage Disneyland or whatever but it's like, he was like a teenager, you know, at that point. Yeah. yeah. It's just so weird to me and will always kind of haunt me that that just exists out there. <laughs> yeah. Kurt, that, Kurt Russell's another interesting character. Like yes. if, if people don't know about his history too, but like the, his dad owning a baseball league pretty much. And then dad, I, yeah, it's, it's weird also, but well, awesome. man. thank you so very much for being on the show. Um, it, it's been fun. I've been educated more than I ever thought I would be on Disneyland, but in, in a good way, I've, I've learned a lot. And now yeah, I definitely, 
when it opens up, because it's not an if, it's a win, hopefully. Um, I, I, I definitely need to get the kiddos, and we just need to go. Uh, do you have any parting, inspiring words for people who maybe either haven't been or have been? And you're just like, hey. Well, I will leave you with my favorite quote from Walt, and I often whip this out when I'm having which park is better arguments. Walt once famously said that Disneyland is the star and everything else in the Disney company is a supporting role. Heard it there. Awesome. Well, again, thank you so very much. And uh, we'll have to do this again sometime. Yeah, absolutely. All right. That does it for our big two-part interview about Disneyland. It was a whole lot of fun. Like I learned a lot. I hope you did too. Uh, thank you all so very much for listening. Thank you again to Amanda for taking the time to talk to me and all that all that cool stuff. Like, I have to go to Disneyland now. It's going to be a blast. But that does it for us this week. Again, my name is Lance. Thank you all so much for listening, and we will see you next time. <laughs>